0: Today on the Pro-Life Podcast, we're going to discuss what Marilyn Monroe and a Congresswoman have in common, and some pastors have some things to say to Gavin Newsom's tourist abortion. We need to talk, let's get started. Happy Tuesday, Pro-Life family. Pull up a chair. It's time to start the discussions today. Let's introduce the amazing people around the table. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. We realized the uh, audio only listeners doesn't help when I say everybody's names because you still can't match a voice with a name. So ladies, if you will introduce yourselves.
1: Here we go. I'm Kim Schwartz, the media and communication director. Hi, I'm Veronica Arnold-Smither. I work in education department.
2: And I'm Emily Cook, our general counsel. That's just a fancy way of saying I'm our lawyer.
0: (laughs) Brent Klingerman, IT director. Okay, so we we started to discuss this topic a week or so ago and then went, "Mm, needs a little more research. And Veronica volunteered.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, There was recently a new Netflix Marilyn Monroe movie um, that the abortion industry got really mad about because of the depictions of forced abortion. Mm -hmm. And the fetus looked... Too human. Too
1: human. Okay. Too so, yeah.
0: you volunteered to take one for the team yeah, and watch this thing. <laughs> boy,
3: oh boy! So, I did not know what I was getting myself into. I was just thinking this is going to be a really interesting, you know, fictional, fake biopic with an accidentally pro-life scene that everybody's talking about. It is so much more intense than that. So, I want to put a disclaimer. I don't recommend anyone watch this movie yeah, we unless just got you
0: in the like. Chat. It was like the note, like. OMG, this is dark. Yeah, it's
3: really, really dark. I, you know, I thought it was gonna be a drama, you know, good old fashioned, fictional drama. It is a psycho thriller. If you like psycho thrillers and you have a stomach for violence and and you can appreciate the actual art of the movie and stomach the the darkness, then sure, okay. But it is very dark. It is very violent. And I thought at the beginning of the movie, there's a few th- moments in the beginning where you think the artist or the director and writer is kind of calling out the trauma of the traumas that she was um inflicted and all the all the bad things that people did to her but there's a switch in the movie at one point where now the director is clearly just glamorizing the harm that was done to her too he's Uh hyper sexualizing her too Mm -hmm. it was not just calling it out anymore he's now the the artist i feel like the director yeah it was really like a lot of gratuitous nudity Mm -hmm. and violence it's just really i was like what a what a uh, disservice to marilyn monroe i mean she was a very complex person and it's still debated today whether or not she actually had abortions um it's speculated that it's very probable that she had abortions Mm -hmm. but what is um clear from her half biography that she wrote and then a few others that other people wrote is that she she wanted to be a mom And she had a few miscarriages and an ectopic pregnancy. And um, in the movie, of course, this is fictional. And he admits it's fictional. It's even based on a book that is also fictional. But in the movie, she has three forced abortions. And so it would be very triggering for anyone to watch this who has suffered assault. It depicts multiple assaults. It depicts multiple forced abortions. Yeah, it's really intense, really dark. Now, um, a lot of people are upset. purely because it, it feels like a very disrespectful movie of mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe because she was a real person. Norma Jean Baker was yeah. a real person. But right. but what's interesting, just for the pro-life element of our conversation is that a lot of pro-choice or pro-abortion people and Planned Parenthood themselves are very upset for a different reason, <laughs> which yeah. is weird and funny, um, as usual with Planned Parenthood, a lot of weird and funny, they're just crazy. They're upset that the, that it makes abortion look bad. Thank this you. movie makes abortion look bad. They, they went traumatic. so far. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tragic.
0: It makes it, it look so too human pro-life propaganda.
3: Yes. And then the director responded mm-hmm. uh, to the backlash, uh, well, multiple layers of backlash, but this specific part where, where he's like, I'm not anti, he says, I'm not anti-pro-choice. He never specifically uh, says whether he's pro-life or pro-choice, but he says, okay. I'm not anti-pro-choice. I'll take that. am like, well, okay, fine. Maybe you were just naively getting into this debate, didn't really well, know okay, what tell you're us doing.
2: Why they're upset? Like, what does the scenes depict? Yeah, what, well, what it depict the first
3: got- one, the first time she finds out she's pregnant, she's elated. And uh, nervous, but elated, and she wants to be mom, and she's very excited about it. And then she learns that her mother, um, her mother's mental illnesses in the movie are hereditary, and so she really freaks out um and she's also been offered a big role in a movie and so all of these things compound and so she goes and gets it. she wants to go get an abortion even though she really wants to be a mom too there's a lot of internal conflict and then oh, she's on the table and she changes her mind but they don't help her they, they they ignore her and they they force her to go through the abortion and it's extremely traumatic oh, like sticking her. a
2: needle in her arms and that. yes about they that. sedate
3: okay. her and they put her in twilight sleep and uh, which was commonly done back then. While um, she's saying, I, I've
2: changed my yeah, mind. Yeah, I changed my mind. I don't want
3: a baby. And that's I don't not want to fictional.
2: Like, we hear that. Yeah, from that kind of thing still happens. Today. Have, yeah.
3: And what's crazy, when I was doing a little research for this, one of her co stars, who was super, more famous than her in the beginning, Jane Russell, um, later talked later in life talked about how she was forced to have an abortion in wow. real life. Oh, so Jane Russell was in a lot of Marilyn Monroe's movies. She was famous before Marilyn Monroe. And she uh, when she died, she actually donated a lot of her money to pregnancy centers and things like that. She oh, was wow. avidly pro wow. life. And so this is of course it's fictional about Marilyn in this instance, but this is it's it's realistic and it's yeah. probable. And just the other day, who was it? Uh, Cory B- Bush. Yeah. Representative Congresswoman. Yes. I said that poorly. Rep- Representative Cori <laughs> Bush, a congresswoman, yeah. Democratic Congresswoman, talked about how she was forced to have an abortion as a teenager and how traumatic it was for her. She was 19 years old yeah. and they uh, she was laying on the table, changed her mind. And th- no one helped her. And she kept saying over and over again, I-, I changed my mind. I
1: want a baby. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah. And I want they to read some of these her. quotes from yeah. her. So she was 19 years old and she had had multiple abortions before. So this wasn't new to her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what Cori Bush's purpose was in doing this interview and saying uh, her story of forced abortions and experiencing racism in the abortion clinic, too. Um, but, you know, because she still promotes abortion. And so that's why this is so surprising because she's been victimized by this industry in multiple ways, multiple times, and still supports abortion. I'm not sure what exactly that is, but maybe there's hope that this will-
0: Stockholm syndrome. I I have thought about that.
1: Yeah, let's hear
2: it. Uh, We see this, women are crying out that they, because we know innately that abortion is wrong Mm -hmm. uh, and that it's not desirable, that it's bad, but especially, people, women in the Democrat Party, they can't say that. I mean, it is, it is, they have, they, they you can't but help retell, relive um, the reality of what's happened to you. And especially in a coerced abortion um, situation, like those feelings just come out. But then the flip side is, oh, well, I can't really like, I still have to be pro-abortion because yeah, that is what is ingrained in me. It's unacceptable from that. And uh, that part they are the party of Killing babies, regardless, uh, with no holds barred, and uh, that they, they're very—I think—they're very conflicted in their ideology mm-hmm. and who they are um, a, a, as people, and they can't separate that. It's just too well, much. Well, I felt
3: that way about hard. the the director of this movie, Marilyn Monroe. Or excuse me, the movie's name is Blonde. The movie—the movie is called Blonde. Um, I keep accidentally saying Marilyn Monroe, but the 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 director, um, Andrew Dominic, I I. Kept feeling his fingerprints all over this movie, in a very particular way. I was deeply reminded of the book called Forbidden Grief* by Teresa Burke. She's a she's a professional counselor who um, has become famous for helping post-supportive men and women. And so this book really trained me a lot. And then I've heard a lot of lectures by Teresa Burke on how to recognize post abortion syndrome and trauma and grief that has not yet been resolved and so this movie made me think is there an abortion in andrew dominic's past that Mm -hmm. he just cannot let go because some of the way the art the artistry of the movie is fascinating i really really love movies and critiquing them i don't recommend this one because of all the violence and stuff but you can still kind of set aside for a moment appreciate how certain things are done really well certain artistic moments and one of them that was show-stopping he when she's going on her way to get her first abortion she doesn't want to do this but she feels like she has to she the the camera effects show her experiencing tunnel vision and so she's driving she's being uh, chauffeured down the road and there's like ripples around her peripheral vision and it's like tunnel vision she cannot see anything except through the dashboard through the windshield of the car and then all of a sudden she sees a stop sign on the road and the driver ignores it he goes straight through and that's what wakes her up it's stop she's seeing signs along the way speaking to her stop and so the stop sign wakes her up the tunnel vision just like completely swoops away she has clear vision and she says i've changed my mind and he's ignoring her and then she's on the table and the doctors are ignoring her and so that made me think wow this is actually really insightful because women who describe their decision making process of getting an abortion, they they often use words like tunnel vision. Like I had tunnel vision. I, I just knew I had to get it done. And then when it was over, I regretted it. And it made me think like, God, what does Andrew Dominic know Mm -hmm. that he's not saying? Mm -hmm. And maybe there is an abortion in his past or in a loved one's past. And he is fixated on it. As she experiences this three times in the movie, it is a central theme. It is not a subplot. It -hmm. is. There are two central themes in this movie, extreme longing to meet her father, serious daddy issues and her desire to be a mother and her continual struggle to wow. do so, whether through miscarriage or three forced abortions. Wow. It is it is really dark, y'all. And but I kept thinking like, wow, Andrew Dominic, you got some problems too.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We need to work on this. Wow. And and maybe people think this is so unrealistic because they show CGI of the baby that's fully developed. It looks like a 20 week plus baby. She was only in her first trimester. It would not have been that fully formed. That's what people. That's what pro-choice people are complaining about right now. They're saying this is this is not accurate whatsoever. It looks too human because you know it's too far along. Um, and the artist actually said, Andrew Dominic said, well, this was an artistic choice to, because it, this is what Marilyn would have been thinking at the time. She was already identifying with her baby and loved her baby, and so she was having a. Magic conversations in the movie, which is probably extremely triggering for mm-hmm. someone who has either had a miscarriage or an abortion or, a, I mean, especially a forced abortion. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that would be extremely triggering. And um, because she's talking to her baby and she knows it's murder. She keeps saying, like, I killed you or I didn't want to kill you. or Your daddy wanted to kill you, too. She uses the word kill over and over mm-hmm. again, so she knows it's very wrong. Um, and these conversations with her baby are heartbreaking and I'm like, okay, Andrew Dominic, um, have you done this too? Like, have you, have you had these conversations with, or, or is this all just imaginary for you? But either way, it's extremely insightful. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. This is when art shows the truth. Even when you accidentally, d- you didn't mean to do that. It's like you <laughs> accidentally showed the truth Your in conscience. art. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, that is why I think that movie, um. Has some really great artistic parts, but mm-hmm. all the gratuitous violence and nudity, like, no thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then back to Corey Bush. I mean, yeah. I, I, this is real life, right? This was just a couple weeks ago that she <laughs> said this. Yeah. Her forced abortion was real, and this happens to women all the time. And so people when people complain about how unrealistic it was that Marilyn, or this was fictional, it never happened to Marilyn. It's like, okay, but remember, the director said it was fiction. We can still realize that this is real for so many people, like yeah. your co-star, mm-hmm. Jane, mm-hmm. and,
1: corey can you read her quotes now yeah Yeah. well i just (laughs) that was a long long run way to get to the quotes but yeah so we've got here um so she started off telling her uh, story corey bush a a democrat congresswoman from missouri and she says to herself like okay you've done this before and uh, you know the rooms you know what it looks like Um, you may, you know, that you may even experience some harm or some racism in this space. And I thought I was ready. So that was another like shocking thing, just kind of right out the gate that she's admitting what we've known all along is that there is racism in the abortion industry. The abortion industry is founded on racism. Like we've talked about Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Racist eugenicist. Yes, she was associated with the KKK. She um, had the infamous uh, Negro project of trying to uh, exterminate people who are undesirable uh, and attributed the undesirable traits to race um, and like super just as the left would say problematic. And um, Planned Parenthood (laughs) has denied this again the problematic past of their founder and of their own organization they've denied that for years and years and years and then finally in 2020 the president of Planned Parenthood came out and says okay we need to reckon with our own racist past and the entire pro-life movement was just like finally (laughs) thank you because they've been saying like no we're not racist Margaret Sanger was a hero and their highest award uh for uh women of great achievement in their world is the Margaret Sanger Award, and right. uh, people like Hillary Clinton have gotten this award. And so now it's bad to be racist,
3: but it's still okay to kill your baby. Right. So like, wait a minute, yeah, okay. <laughs> so that was not enough progress. Right,
1: right. I want to tell the rest of Cori Bush's story here because she, going into the appointment, um, she was talking about, you know, I've had multiple abortions before. I know what to expect. I know that I even might experience some harm and some racism here. Um, But then talking about her actual story of the forced abortion uh, is going to take a little bit longer. And I don't think we have quite enough time before the break. So let's let's take a break real quick
0: and we'll come back and finish the story. And we also want to talk about some pastors who have some things to say about some billboards. So all of that information after this. Come to our annual Celebration of Life Gala in Houston and celebrate the end of Roe v. Wade. Join us on Saturday, October 29th. We are so excited to announce our keynote speaker. Former White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany will be giving an amazing speech. Our battle has only just begun now that Roe has been reversed and the pro-life movement needs you more than ever in this current era. Seats are filling fast, so follow the link in the description below to secure your tickets, and I hope to see you there Saturday, October 29th.
3: Save the date for Boots on the Ground It's an awesome pro-life conference coming up January 28th and 29th Come to Austin, Texas with us to march to the Capitol To celebrate the end of Roe v. Wade To commemorate Roe v. Wade And to learn from expert pro-life speakers on how to keep Texas pro-life forever Come to Austin with us and hear from Ryan Bomberger Our keynote speaker who shares his personal story and so much more Book your tickets today, BootsOnTheGroundTX.com See you in January
0: Welcome back, friends. So we have a story we wanted to finish, but you had a promo information. I do. I do. One of our events right now, That's the the Celebration of Life in Houston, is coming up very soon. But right now, there's a promotion going on.
1: Yeah. So uh, Kaylee McEnany is our keynote speaker. You heard in the ad just now. And we're doing a promotion just this week. If you buy tickets, um, whether that's one single ticket or couples, whatever you want, Um, If you buy tickets this week, you'll get a free copy of Kaylee McEnany's new book. So I'm really excited about that. I'm telling all my friends and family, like, if you're going to buy tickets, get them this week because they're selling really fast. And you'll get her book. Uh, So you want to make sure you jump on that. You can click the link in the description here and we'll get some space is limited.
0: There There does come a point where there's no more seats in the room. So get your tickets as soon as you can.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, back to this story. Cory Bush.
1: Yeah, Cory Bush. uh, So she's talking about how she's had abortions before. She knew she thought she knew what to expect. On the way there. um, So she says further, I lay there and I started to think, well, I didn't tell the father that this was about to happen. I just felt like I needed more time. So I just said, no, you know what? I'm not ready. And she told the nurse, I'm not ready. And the nurse just wouldn't listen to her. She said, the nurse just, you know, wouldn't listen to me. And I said, no, I'm not ready. And as I'm saying no, they continue to pull the instruments and, you know, get everything ready. And uh, Cory Bush was just saying, she's so distraught. And they absolutely ignored me even to the point, you know, like calm down as if I were the problem. Yikes. So I didn't really understand at that point where I had a voice. So they started doing the abortion and by that point she said it was too late once you start it you can't stop it um and so then she closes with saying i felt like it was you know what you don't know what you need you don't understand the abortion industry saying we know better and it's just so revealing that yes that is what we've been saying and I think that the Democrats would um, benefit themselves if they acknowledged this, if they acknowledged that uh, there is pain in abortion and that it isn't a good thing, but they have to justify it. They have to say, we are pro-abortion. We're not just pro-choice. And that's what they've been saying. Yeah.
0: That sounds a lot like Catherine Gunn Foster's story. She sat here, um, those episode, geez, they all run together. That was, that a, was, was a really time. early episode. In like, like March episode or April. Three or four, if you wanna go look that one up. Um, talking about kind of the last minute changing her mind, but they didn't care. They yeah. were they were gonna do what they were there to do.
1: Yeah. And so whenever y'all were talking about just now about um, you know women who have had abortions and sometimes feeling like they need to justify that. And I remember early on in being involved in the pro-life movement, there was this woman named Jules Green and she used to work in the abortion industry too. Uh, we've had her speak at some of our events and stuff like that. And her testimony is just so powerful because she talked about how her journey started um, with her first abortion. And after that, like she internally knew that something was wrong, but she felt like she had to justify it. And so that's why she then turned to working for the abortion industry because she was like, I need to prove to myself that I am helping women and that what I did was a good thing. And so I think that underneath, whether this is what's happening to Cori Bush or not, and why she still supports abortion, is still trying to prove to herself that what I did wasn't wrong, like I had to do this or something. Yeah. And. Anytime, you know. Well, it makes, it it fits exactly with what
3: Planned Parenthood's counselors are are telling them in their pre-abortion appointments. They're telling them like, you're being so brave. This is the right thing. And um, you're going to feel so much better after this. And so it's all, they're, they're denying all the actual trauma that's about to take place. And so when the women come back with these feelings of grief, they're, they're ignored or dismissed and they don't understand why they have feelings of grief and they often feel like i must be the only one who feels this way and so they go head first into justification of the abortion i mean abby johnson did the same thing and now so many other yep. uh, abortion industry workers who have Exited the industry are saying, Yeah, exactly. I had abortion and that's why I started working at Planned Parenthood. And this book, uh, Forbidden Grief by Teresa Burke. Um, if you if you ever want to learn more about what women experience and why they justify what they did, um, it's really, really great for that. Um, but it is also really dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so take it easy. It's not just like a it goes through actual case studies, like dozens of case studies of women um, and their therapy sessions um, and what they experienced. But it was very eye-opening and it really, it also explains how women self-punish themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that, going back to the movie Blonde, um, the the director, Andrew uh, Dominic really made it look like she was self-destructive and punishing herself. And then in an interview later on, Uh, he talks about how this was his punishment fantasy of Marilyn Monroe. So he makes himself out to be a real creep. Um, But it's very fitting when you go back to the book Forbidden Grief and all the post-traumatic syndrome, post-abortion traumatic syndrome, Um, of the self-punishment involved when you know that um, either you, you chose in the first place to do something wrong or you chose all the way through to do something wrong or you changed your mind halfway. There's always gonna be associations of guilt and I felt that deeply throughout mm-hmm. this movie. It's like this whole movie was a guilt trip, yeah. and oh, it was heartbreaking. And it just makes me want to give everybody involved a hug. Yeah. It's like you're gonna be okay. Go back to church. You're gonna be fine. Like, oh my gosh, it
1: was yeah. horrible. So well, I think all of this is just really a wake up call. Especially whenever I'm thinking about Corey Bush's stories, you don't know if the person you're talking to about abortion. It has had an abortion in their past. And you have to be mindful of that because the even the most vocal abortion supporters could be doing that in order to try to justify what they've done in the past and just letting them know that there is healing after that. And uh, only the only answer really is Jesus Christ. Like that's, that's all we can do. Whenever um, you've done something and all of us have you know, had passed. None of us deserve the mercy of God and yet it's still there and yet he's still there reaching out to us. So yeah. we we have to just make sure that people know that, that nobody is beyond the cross and a lot of people, especially in this movement, think like, well, I haven't, uh, I've just gone too far. I can't be redeemed. Like, Jesus can't heal me. Yeah. And that's not true.
3: Oh my gosh, I saw this little, I keep thinking, oh, you go first, Emily, you go first.
2: Well, I, the stat might be, is old. I just remember it when I, you know, first involved in pro-life ministry, which is, you know, 10, 12 years ago, but one in four Amer- American women have had an abortion. And so mm-hmm. I always try to keep that in mind when I'm speaking to groups, whether it's at a church, or at a Republican club, or um, anywhere, because again, and then a, something like uh, maybe 70% self-identify as Christian. So right. you've got to be very, um, that's a failure of our churches to teach biblical truths. But that aside, when we're speaking as pro-lifers to, um, to groups, to be speaking in love and to always try to put that piece of, make sure to include that p- that piece of, of grace and mm-hmm. forgiveness um, into how you're trying to minister to these two yeah. fellow pro-lifers.
0: I feel like you guys are setting me up in this transition to churches spreading uh, a pro-life message. We just love the oh, Lord. Lord. So, But in, in addressing the comment about people feeling like they've gone too far, um, if we look at our own New Testament and its primary writer, mm-hmm. the Apostle Paul, who was knocked on his off his horse and blind um, by an encounter with Jesus while he was actively looking for more Christians to murder. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you've gone too far, I'm going to bet you haven't gone as far as that guy. Yep. So the Osama bin Laden of his time has an encounter with Jesus mm-hmm. and then writes two-thirds of the New Testament.
3: Yeah, it's a pretty so major transformation. There's that. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, the this other topic we wanted to discuss. Uh, recently, we've talked about in the articles and things about um, tourist abortion and California's advertisement. Come to California, need an abortion? California's ready to help. And these billboard campaigns. Well, some pastors recently, uh, John MacArthur posted an open letter on the church website to Governor Newsom. And then um, even more recently, Steve Riggle here in our own city of Houston yes. has started a out-of-state uh, billboard campaign to respond to Governor Newsom's mm, that's bold um, abortion tourism.
1: Yeah, that's awesome because you have people like Gavin Newsom trying to use the Bible against us. And I always remember James Stewart talk uh, from uh, Boots on the Ground talking about how if we don't know our Bibles, it's going mm. to be used against us. Like that's what Gavin Newsom is trying to do with these billboards saying like, yes, uh, abortion is care for your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you'll let them have an abortion. Yes.
0: No. Uh, what's no. on
1: the
3: What's on the church
1: billboards then?
0: The church billboards, let me pull up. The one church billboard, this article only has um, like one picture of a church billboard. It was like a picture of a baby, do I matter? God says yes, abortion says no. Your vote says what you say.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. Vote for me,
0: vote for life. Um, and awesome. he, he, took, he spoke um, from the pulpit about how your vote matters. Votes have consequences.
3: That's so, so, so great. Election <laughs>
0: season is upon yes. us. Go vote.
3: Yeah. cruel. I was going to say that. so <laughs> brave and great. It came out grave. It's really brave when a pastor says how important it is to vote and to vote pro-life and all that because mm-hmm. a lot of them are afraid that they're not allowed to do so mm-hmm. or that they'll lose their 5 one c 3 status. It's not true. They're protected. He's not saying
0: who by name to vote for. He's saying
3: vote biblical values. Yes. Yeah, like oh. don't vote Democrat just because of tradition. Don't even vote Republican just because of tradition because what if in another a few years the republican party sells out right now the only real vehicle for pro-life policy is a public republican party but don't vote just because of tradition vote because of what Christ wants us to do vote because of your conscience vote because of your values and oh gosh these billboard, I'm, I'm proud of the pastor for being that brave because some yeah. of pastors will not speak about this.
0: It's great to see some pastors taking a brave, bold stand.
1: Yeah, because like life. you were saying a second ago, about 40% of all abortions are among women who say they are Christian. So the women who are having abortions are sitting in the pews with us. Mm-hmm. If our pastors don't say anything, then you are responsible. If we don't say anything to our fellow body of Christ, then we are responsible.
3: Yeah, to and. offer them forgiveness and healing and help. Yeah, yeah.
1: Offer them other options and say, if you have done this in your past, go to Christ, confess your sins, ask for forgiveness, and it will be there for you. Yep.
0: Yep. Well, there's, there's, there's how we're getting in the show today. Good job. That's why I'm here. Well, thanks for watching, friends. Um, Like, share, subscribe, share with your friends and family. Hey, links and resources below to more help. If you have had an abortion, if you have a loved one that's had an abortion, we'll put all the links below, links in the description. Until then, next week, guys, we will see you next week. Have an amazing, amazing week. We love you. Thanks for watching.